Good morning, Woodland Hills. Uh, my name's Oshita Moore, and I am so grateful to be able to join you virtually today. I wanted so badly to be in person with you this morning as we continue our conversation on spiritual practices and spiritual formation. <clears throat> but I caught the flu earlier this week and I have been under the weather for the past few days. I've had some fever, some chills, some aches, uh, obviously coughing and sore throat. So I am uh, sharing this message to you from my home in St. Paul, from our basement studio. Um, but I wish I could be with you. And I just want to just say thank you to God for the ability to be able to come through on a video um, and still share some of my thoughts and some of the things I've learned um, as I have intentionally integrated spiritual practices in my life to help form me into more Christ-likeness. Um, so a few things before we get started. One, <clears throat> I have my trusty tea here. So um Hopefully I don't have to drink it too much during our time, but if I start getting that, you know, flu tickle in my throat, I'll pause and take a sip of tea. Um, <clears throat> and then the other thing, <laughs> like this. And then the other thing is I <clears throat> love to begin our time together whenever we are reflecting on spiritual practices by lighting a candle in order to remind me that Christ is with us, that uh, the spirit of, of the spirit is with us, and that we um, that we are not just doing this just to come together and have a fun conversation about spiritual practices, but we are doing this to invite the spirit um, to bring us shalom and wholeness. So I have a, ca a candle here. And I'm going to go ahead and light a candle. If you've been in my Be Still and No class or my um, my Prayers for Anxious Christians class, you know I'm a big, big candle person. Maybe even when I led breath prayers over um, during the beginning of the lockdown. So we have a candle lit here. We'll put this right here. I have my tea. And we are going to dive in today. <clears throat> oh, a couple of things is we are going to, I'm kind of going to give you two just mini sermons on spiritual practices and then one particular practice that has been incredibly formative for me, one that I was actually really surprised by. But first, I want to invite those of you for whom this sermon series causes some level of frustration or confusion, some level of maybe anxiety or fear, maybe even like I've processed before with my spiritual director, perfectionism. Oftentimes, when we are invited to consider something like spiritual practices, something like fasting or giving or retreat, <clears throat> or like what we're going to talk about today, silence. There's this instinct in us that, that wonders maybe even why or and or how. <clears throat> why are we doing this? And how does it look? Like what, what is the right way for it to look? <clears throat> 
when I think of spiritual practices, particularly for me, I'm reminded of this beautiful story that I once heard about Thomas Martin, and he is one of the four fathers, one of the uh, like founding thinkers around ideas of contemplative practices. Um, he uh, was teaching and and about centering prayer, which is a practice we're going to do together at the end of our at the end of this message. He was preaching on centering prayer, and um, and a nun came up to him and said, "Oh, I, I I deeply struggle. I think I'm a failure when I do these practices because when you invited us into centering prayer, my mind wandered ten thousand times." And Merton replied back to her, "How delightful! Those are ten thousand opportunities to return to God." I love that story and I love that reminder that as we are practicing these these different ways of forming our our spirit of becoming more Christ-like in our spiritual practices that th there's no perfect way to do it there's no right way to do it the simple fact that you are showing up and you are making space to connect with God is beautiful and it's a delight. It should feel like a delight because it's an invitation, an opportunity to return to God. So I want to say from the outside of this message, as I dive deeper into one of the practices that has been so meaningful for me, I, I want you to know that these are these practices are for your they're for your joy and your and your again delight. Find ways to practice the practices that we offer you that work in your life that work with your particular personality type or the season of life you're in. Choose one maybe over the other because it seems more interesting to you. Maybe push yourself a little bit if, you're, if you've tried something and it didn't work the way you wanted it to. Maybe try again. This time be open-handed with the outcome, knowing that the practice in and of itself is returning to God. It's your soul checking in with God. It is your deep crying out to the deep of the spirit. That is why we participate in spiritual practices. We live in a very tangible, very loud, very busy, very hectic world. We know clearly what it's like to move through our lives, touching things and hearing things and perceiving things and processing things. <clears throat> our minds and our bodies get an intense workout. And that puts a strain on us holistically. So spiritual practices are our way of saying, I am not just a human doing, I am a human being. And I am made in the image of God and that God loves me and wants to spend time with me. And so I will participate in these practices to, to strengthen my soul, strengthen um, my capacity to, to connect with God so that when the hustle and bustle and stress of the world comes at me, I have a resilience that is deep within me. I am grounded. I am being made whole. That's the beauty of spiritual practices.
And so I want to offer us a scripture on the outside before we continue talking about silence today, a scripture that has been incredibly meaningful for me as I as I engage in a variety of different practices, some that are new to me, some that honestly stress me out. <clears throat> but this passage is in Matthew 11. It's uh, verse 11, or chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. It's going to be on the screen as I read. And the scripture says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. My friends, as we participate in these practices, I offer Jesus' invitation to you. Many of us are tired and worn out and burnt out. Many of us need that respite of coming away and being with Jesus. And oftentimes, we don't know what that looks like. How do we worship and connect with the God who is unseen? That's a question that we see in scripture. Spiritual practices allow us to connect with God, allow us to get away with Jesus and recover our life. But I want to home in on this one phrase that I hope that you hold on to as you engage in spiritual practices, the unforced rhythms of grace. I love the message translation of this passage for that particular phrase, the unforced rhythms of grace. There is an intentionality, yes, to spiritual practices. We are going to have to say, yes, it matters to me, and I am going to do this, and I am going to spend time with the Lord. There is an intentionality. But it should never feel forced. It should never feel like a drudgery. It should never feel like an obligation. What I often do is I pay attention to my spirit, and if I am trying to participate in a practice, say journaling, I sometimes struggle with journaling as a spiritual practice. If I am noticing that I'm having a hard time getting into journaling, one of the things I pay attention to is, am I trying to do it like someone else? Am I using a journal that's not serving me, that's not in line with my personality? I do know that there's some wisdom in reflecting back over my day or reflecting back over my thoughts in the presence of God. So I want to write them down, but <clears throat> maybe the expectation or the picture of journaling I have feels forced. Um, I've used several different types of journals. Ones, ones that just have a word at the top of the page and then encourage free write. Those have helped me a lot. Some that ask me specific questions, and I answer those questions. So what this passage for me says to us before we begin talking about um, any other practice is that these are invitations, opportunities to return to God. It shouldn't feel forced or obligatory. So have fun. Try different ways of doing the same practice. <clears throat> Invite others in and see if you can create some community and some energy around that. But just know that if it's feeling overwhelming or it's feeling like it's not fitting you, it's ill-fitting, as this passage says, then then you have every, you have, you're 
you have every permission to pull back and say, how can I make this work for me? Maybe I've read it working out this way for someone else. I'm going to try differently. So that is why today's message is called 10,000 Opportunities. <clears throat> because we are going to look at something that for me has really been hard. We are going to look at silence. Silence is this practice of intentionally <clears throat> homing in on the presence of God by turning off or turning away from the things that distract us, from the things that pull our attention, from the things that overwhelm us. It is an intentional practice of quiet, of moving through our day, taking pockets and opportunities to shut out the input from the world so that we can pay attention to the input of the Spirit. Now, I know for some of you, you might think when I hear when I say silence, you might think of something like this. This is the quiet room here in Minnesota, and um, it's, found, it's in a laboratory. And the, the creator of the quiet room actually made a, a loud room and a quiet room. His name is Steve. And one of the things that he said is that when you enter into that quiet room and you are, you're, you're in there for some time, you begin to hear your body. You begin to hear how your body is moving and you begin to pay more attention to just the sounds that you create by being a human being. <clears throat> Silence is that practice of quieting ourselves down so we can hear our soul in God's presence. I know when you see that picture, you might think, oh my gosh, Oshida is asking me to do the most terrifying, scary thing ever. Oshida is, making, is asking me to enter into isolation. <clears throat> and I just want to say from the outset that while the quiet room does require isolation, silence and silence as a spiritual practice is not about isolation. And it's not about, uh, it's not about <clears throat> closing yourself off from others, it, it, loneliness. Um, it's not, it's not glorifying or celebrating what many of us honestly felt in the past year and a half of this deep disconnection from people. That is not what I am asking us to consider today as a spiritual practice of silence. I'm going to offer to you um, this idea that we're going to look in scripture, this idea of holy listening. We're going to think about silence as not necessarily only the absence of sound, but the, the paying attention to the, the, the guidance and the movement and the invitations offered to us from the Spirit that we often don't pay attention to because of the hecticness, the franticness of the world we live in. One, of, one quote I think of when I think of the spiritual practice of silence is from Thomas Keating. Keating says, we rarely think of the air we breathe, yet it is in us and around us all the time. In similar fashion, the presence of God penetrates us, is all around us, and is always embracing us. That is what silence has been for me. When I practice silence, <clears throat> when I take time throughout my day to turn my phone off, to uh, maybe drive without the radio playing, go for a walk without my dog because my dog is a hot mess and he will bark at any and everything. He is a, dis a distraction to be sure. 
but go on a long walk and just allow myself to be quiet, to be still, as Psalm invites us to, that one of the Psalms invites us into. I am able to pay attention to the presence of God and, and know that God is around me and, and within me, that, that God is always embracing me. And we often feel like God is far from us. We often feel disconnected from God because we are so overly connected to other things in other spaces. And silence is our opportunity to disconnect from those things for a while. Good things, helpful things, meaningful things, but not as good and not as helpful and not as meaningful as the love of God that we experience when we practice silence. I want to invite us into this idea of thinking of silence as holy listening, of not just, again, the not just rejecting or ignoring input, but paying attention to the, the, the voice of God, knowing what the leading and the, and the embrace of God looks and feels like. So we're going to be in 1 Samuel 3, 1 through 10, and I'm going to tell a story uh, that is so helpful to me when I think of the practice of holy listening. So it'll be on the screen as I read. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel. <coughs> Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. My son, Eli, uh, my son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. Samuel in this passage is, a, is an example, I feel like for many of us, we, we want to be where God is. We want to hear God's voice. We, we are learning you're in the sermon series learning about connecting with God. And when we have an opportunity to sometimes we get confused and we get distracted or we get or we think it's something else. I also love how Samuel, for me, reflects somebody who keeps at it. 
he went back and lay down and heard Samuel again and went back and lay down and went back and lay down. And finally, he gives us this phrase that I often use before I enter into practices of silence. Speak for your servant is listening. Silence is that practice of holy listening, of saying, I am going to place myself in spaces and opportunities where I can hear God, and I am going to respond to the Lord. Here I am. Speak, for your servant is listening. But it's not always that straightforward. We look at this passage and we see that was not Samuel's story. It wasn't like Samuel laid down, heard God's voice, and was like, oh, hey, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. There is a bit of a journey, a back and forth, because Eli, because Samuel thought that it was Eli for the longest. And as I look at this passage, I see that there are two forms of holy listening um, in, that we can that we can learn from these two men and that we can integrate into our practice of, of, of silence. Two forms of holy listening, one in solitude and then one in community. So I'm not going back on my word. I am not asking you to enter into any type of isolation that feels dangerous and scary for you. What I am going to invite you to into is this idea of retreat. We see that in the Matthew passage of creating retreat, of coming away with Jesus in order to be refreshed. Eli was in a space, a space of solitude. Um, excuse me, Samuel was in a space of solitude. He was laying in his bed. He was laying in his bed and he was, he was living with, uh, with Eli, who was his mentor, who was teaching him the ways of the Lord. I often also think about that passage. One thing that just kind of kept coming up in that passage that I think is important for us is, you know, the word of the Lord, the voice of the Lord wasn't heard. And so <clears throat> there is this, there is this kind of shock almost. And this kind of like, wait, is this, is this really happening? And maybe even this lack of, of being prepared, ready to hear the voice of the Lord, because that wasn't, that wasn't Samuel's experience. That wasn't even Eli's experience. The, it's that the, the word of the Lord, the voice of the Lord was not heard. And I think oftentimes many of us feel like we haven't heard from God. We haven't connected with God. And maybe we need to practice holy listening in solitude. Maybe we need to place ourselves in spaces and opportunities to connect with God. Ruth Haley Barton, in her um, book, Sacred Rhythms, um, she also wrote a beautiful book on silence and solitude. But Ruth Haley Barton says this to us, most of us are more tired than we know at the soul level. We are teetering on the brink of dangerous exhaustion. And we cannot do anything else until we have gotten some rest. We cannot really engage in any spiritual disciplines until solitude becomes a place of rest for us rather than another place for human striving and hard work. We're going back to that unforced rhythms of grace idea when we integrate spiritual practices. When I think about integrating the spiritual practice of silence so that it does not become another place of human striving and hard work for me, I think of retreat and rhythm. I think of creating spaces where I can retreat. 
be it for a day. So in the in the fall, I would go to an apple orchard once a week. And the 45 minute to an hour drive was just enough to create distance between my everyday life and the life on the farm. And I would walk through the apple orchard and, and I would intentionally be quiet. I, I would try not to play any music, even if it was worship music. I would try to just be, um, I would say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And I would just walk and pay attention to any pictures or phrases, any words, any nudges, any any instances through my past day or past week that, I, that the Spirit wants me to go back and think through, maybe even spaces for confession. Silence is this beautiful place of rest um, for me, but I would do it through retreat. <clears throat> I often sometimes go and walk up a prayer labyrinth where I will begin at the at the beginning of the labyrinth and make my way all the way around until I get to the center and I would just sit in silence in the center. Oftentimes there would be a cross there or I would have my own holding cross with me. So I would encourage you to, when you practice silence, to to practice retreat, to put yourself in places that you know you can connect with the Lord. And sometimes you have to be intentional about that retreat practice. Sometimes you're going to have to tell your community, hey, I really need a retreat. I'm going to I'm going to go to a cabin. I'm going to go for a hike. Um, I need you to not call me. Kids, I need you to take the bus home from school. I need the whole day to practice to practice silence so I can be with God um, in the space of solitude. The other thing, the other way I practice silence in solitude is in my rhythms. So I look at my day and I say to myself, when do I fill my time or the space around me with sounds and distractions when I don't need to? Where are the times that I can reclaim some silence? Sometimes that looks like cleaning the house in silence, opening up the windows, not turning on any music or any, you know, rom-com for background noise. Sometimes that looks like running my errands without any music in the background, like I've mentioned before. Sometimes it looks like doing my chores in silence, like doing the dishes. Um, I also, also sometimes when I recognize that I've just been in a season with a lot of noise and a lot of just just energy and it's hard for me to settle in, I play some quiet um, music, some quiet ambiance sounds in the background just so I can kind of have some sounds to hold on to as I am entering into spaces of silence. So when you hear me say silence, I'm not talking about a complete um, a complete separation or rejection of any sound. I am just asking us to separate ourselves from the things that make us, as Ruth Haley Barton says, tired at the soul level. <clears throat> the next form of holy listening that I want to encourage us to consider is holy listening in community. Oftentimes when we talk about spiritual practices or contemplative practices, um, it can it can feel like we are just um, we're just paying attention to ourselves. We're, you know, for lack of a better phrase, like navel gazing, like, you know, just being so 
uh, aware of our interior life or or what's going on inside here that we are we are ignoring others we're ignoring what's going on in the world um oftentimes you know there's this there's this misrepresentation of contemplative practices as sanctified or baptized isolation and loneliness and i hope that you've heard me say that that's not what we're doing here and one of the ways that we can um build up build our spiritual practices uh, and remember that we are we are made for relationship is by doing these spiritual practices in community. So every single practice that you've heard in this series, including silence, can be something you practice in community where you are you gather with some intentional people or an intentional person and say, I want to I want to do this practice and I want to do it with you. I want to have this unique experience of connecting with God and with each other. This is one of the reasons why I believe that the Sunday gathering is so important. It is our time to come together and actually do some of these spiritual practices um, that we may not have been afforded that opportunity or time in other spaces of our lives. But the Sunday gathering, this moment, you and I having this conversation and you in the room, uh, in the building, and you wherever you are, like we are coming together and saying we are going to be formed into Christ's likeness through these practices and we're going to do it together. One of uh, one of my favorite pastors, uh, Eugene Peterson, who uh, who wrote the uh, message translation, says it's easier to find guides, someone to tell you what to do, than someone to be with you in a discerning, prayerful companionship as you work it out yourself. This is what spiritual direction is. <laughs> So when I invite us into a conversation of practicing these spiritual practices in community, it is an invitation to, to be spiritual directors to one another, to sit with one another and listen to one another, to practice these practices together and to debrief with one another. <clears throat> Excuse me, part of my Be Still and Know classes, we have lessons that I do over video, and then we have nights of practice together where we where you've practiced silence together and then debrief. How did that go? <laughs> We are so uh, we are so in need of relationships and encouragement um, in our spiritual formation. And so, when we practice silence together, it is the best of both worlds. It's bringing these two needs together: this need for relationship and this need for practicing spiritual practices together. So, what does silence look like when we uh, practice together? Well, there are two spaces that I think we can practice silence together and it could be something like the the silence practice I'm about to share with us or it can be going for a hike together and um, being quiet side by side and then coming back and debriefing um, it could be calling each other and saying let's uh, let's have five minutes of, of silence and then share with each other any pictures or words or phrases or nudges from the spirit but there are two spaces that I have been most blessed by as I practice silence and community. The first are spiritual friendships, intentional friendships that are 
that we that we've come together in order to encourage each other in our spiritual formation. These are beautiful friendships where we share where we're feeling connected to God, where we're feeling disconnected from God, where we share with each other areas in our formation that we would like more support and our encouragement in. Like I would wish I could I wish I was memorizing scripture more or I I really want to listen to worship music more or um I, I want to understand hope. <clears throat> spiritual friendships have been so important for me because I get to see how the spirit is working in other people's lives. I get to see different personality types connect to God and I get to see that there is such diversity and there's such there's there's 10,000 opportunities to return to God just in the friendships that I have, just in that con that that intentional connection to pay attention to our spiritual formation as a group. It's a space where we talk about, where we offer things like confession and forgiveness to each other. It is an intentional friendship for the benefit of our spiritual formation. So the first is spiritual friendships. The second is a spiritual director. And you've heard me talk about this a few times. A spiritual director is, like Eugene Peterson says, a companion, someone who will sit with you, who will discern with you. One of my favorite things that my director does is she begins our time with silence and she lets me break the silence. So we could sit for five, ten minutes if I need, just to sort of settle in and pay attention to my soul and then begin to share with my director this is what's going on in me um as i'm feeling as i'm feeling um connected or disconnected from god as i'm questioning things um you know one of the things that i love most about my director um and and direction in general is that we're trained to sort of to listen and respond back to you what we're hearing and oftentimes just in that just in that tender responding back and saying, I'm hearing this. Um, for me, when I, somebody says, I'm hearing this in your spiritual walk, uh, there's a clarity about where I've been and what I've been struggling with that I often miss because I'm working through all of the what ifs and the to do's and I'm just so overwhelmed by the thing I'm processing. But if my director says to me, oh, well, I just hear just a, a tenderness, a tenderness and a love for God and your desire to have an Advent study. That just, that for, that for me, when, when that was an actual thing my director said to me once, that for me was so hopeful and so helpful. We were able to sit in silence and then she reflected back to me what I was processing from that time of silence. So having a director, somebody who will sit with you and companion with you is a great space for you to begin practicing not just silence in community, but all of the spiritual practices in community because we are made for relationship because God is a relational God. So we're going to close our time together with a spiritual practice. And it's uh, called Centering Prayer. Um, and centering prayer is, uh, an, is an expression of our intention to connect with God's presence and God's movement action within us. So what we do is we choose a sacred word or an idea. Sometimes it can be, for me, it can be family or it can be um, shalom. <clears throat> As I am feeling unwell, I am thinking body for healing. So choose a sacred word. 
Then we're going to sit comfortably with our eyes closed, settle ourselves, and gent gently introduce our sacred word, or gently think about our sacred word. Then we're going to become aware of thoughts um, that come that, that around that sacred word, and we're just going to reflect on those thoughts. We're going to use our imagination to connect with God. If you begin to feel distracted, if you start to go down your to-do list or you're wondering if you've turned your phone off or the person next to you is wrestling and you feel distracted and that, that brings up a thought that's separate, that's, that's uh, not connected to your sacred word, just acknowledge that thought, say, yes, they are moving, and then come back to your sacred word, healing, healing, healing. And then at the end of our prayer time, remain silent for a couple of moments. So we're going to have some uh, quiet swell music. Um, and I am going to walk us through this practice together. So <clears throat> go ahead and first choose your sacred word. I'm going to take a sip of my tea. Sit quietly with your eyes closed. When I teach this practice to children, I say get really comfortable in your body. If you need to lay down, lay down, lay down on the floor. If you need to stand up and stretch and just root your feet into the ground, do that. If you need to get up and move from the space you are and just sort of go to another space in the sanctuary, go ahead and do that. Just get comfortable and close your eyes. Settle yourself. And gently begin thinking about your sacred word.
We ask that you continue to speak to us for your servants are listening. We take this holy time of listening and we are grateful for it and we ask that it continues to nourish us into the upcoming week. In spite of all the hustle and bustle of the upcoming holiday, maybe the reconnection with people and friends and family, maybe the loudness and busyness of our kitchen while we're making uh, wonderful and precious and and, uh, delightful recipes, Lord, we ask that you help us to practice silence, to listen, And may this sacred word bring us back to a sense of shalom, wholeness, and flourishing within ourselves so that we can be peacemakers in all of the relationships you've entrusted to us. Amen. I would encourage you to take that practice of centering prayer with you throughout the rest of this week and um and please feel free to let me know how this practice works for you i want to close with this last thought so there is a rabbi his name is shlomo karbach and he was talking to an author named bo lozoff and rabbi shlomo said full experiences of god can never be planned or achieved they are spontaneous moments of grace almost accidental And Bo responded, like, Rabbi, if God realization is just accidental, why do we work so hard at doing all these spiritual practices? And Rabbi Karlbach said, to be as accident prone as possible. So I am going to encourage you to take every opportunity, all 10,000 opportunities to be as accident prone to experience the presence of God as possible. Love you, Woodland. Thank you for letting me join you. Have a beautiful rest of your Sunday and go in peace. All right. Well, thank you, Oshida. Thank you for rising up and delivering that message. We are grateful for that. Um, a lot there. A lot there, and I hope that you will start wherever you're at, and if that just means turning down the radio in the car and that's the first place you can start, great, start there. And so, a few things I want to mention just as we head out. Um, We have a beautiful community here at Woodland Hills that actually practices these different spiritual practices. They meet on Monday nights at 6.30. It's called Life on Purpose. And yes, it's a hybrid thing. So we do meet on site, but we also have a Zoom connection. And so it's a hybrid uh, group that practices spiritual practices. And I encourage you to, to join that. And so if you send an email to info at whchurch.org, they will get it to me. I'll get it to the right place. We'll get you the link for Zoom, or we'll get you information about how, where it meets here on site. So I want to encourage you in that. Also, we have the uh, gathering groups, and that's another great place to start to wrestle with, to, to explore and discuss 
all the different sermons, but in particular right now, spiritual practices. You can also join us Tuesday, night, uh, Tuesday afternoons, four o'clock, for the MuseCast, where Shauna and Dan explore and unpack sermons and bring different ideas to, to them. And um, I want to invite the prayer team to come forward at this point. And if you are here on site, you are welcome to come up and get prayer from the prayer team. For those of you online, Zoom rooms will be available. There's a link at the church website. Um, We would love to pray for you, whatever your need is. And don't carry that burden with you past this church service. Uh, One last thing, if you have little kiddos, we want to remind you to save that space for them next Sunday and take care of that. All this stuff and so much more is in the bulletin. Go and build the kingdom.